welcome to the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. For the disciples, the past three days have seemed very empty. Food tastes different. Conversations seem quiet and relationships have halted. The night seemed darker and the days seemed longer and all the guys just sort of seem out of sorts and they hide. They really thought that he was the one. They really thought that that he would change everything. They believed every word he said. He said that he was the way. He said that, that they could trust him. He said that he was the resurrection and the life. They thought, this man, this, this guy, this Jesus, he's got to be the one. Have you seen all that he's done? We, we saw all he did. We, we thought we could believe him. They really thought things were going to change. They really thought that they could trust him. They really thought that he of all people would keep his word. He said so much. But it's been three days. And he's still gone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, For the disciples in that moment, Lord, I'm sure they felt so helpless and hopeless. But Lord, we live in the aftermath of all that you did. Lord, we live being able to look back knowing you rose from the dead, that you conquered death, and that you came back to life. Lord, I thank you that we live in that truth. We live in those things. And Jesus, I ask, Lord, that we would stand firm on those things. Lord, I pray for those of us who who are coming to a, maybe this is our first church experience and we're helpless and we feel hopeless and we don't really know we're watching this because a friend shared it and we're sitting at home, we feel alone, we feel abandoned, we're scared, whatever that emotional state we're in, maybe, maybe we're really questioning on what we believe and where we stand on anything. Lord, I pray that in this moment that you'd speak to our hearts and that you would encourage us. Lord, I ask God that as churches all over the world are streaming services today. Lord, may your word go out in power and may it change lives forever. God, I pray for my friends at CCV. I pray for my friends at Mountain Ridge. I pray for my friends at Cross Church. Pray for my friends at Apollo and the Meadows, and Gateway. And Lord, I ask that you would move at churches all over our valley today. Lord, bring revival. Speak to us at City View Church today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, hi, City View Church. I hope you are having a great Resurrection Easter Sunday. I, I, I wish we could be in person but man, it is so nice to be able to know that we are together in spirit. We are, we are still together, even though we're separated right now. It is still nice to know that we're celebrating the same thing, that Jesus Christ died and that he rose from the dead. And I just want to say hi to you, and I hope you're having a great day. My name is Jeremiah, and I'm the pastor at City View Church. If this is your first time to City View, please check out our website, check out our app. We want to say hi to you. We'd love to be able to greet you in a digital kind of way. 
But today is Easter. It is Resurrection Sunday. So one thing that is a tradition that we do, that so many churches all over the world do, and I want you to do it with me in your homes. When I say He is risen, you say He is risen indeed. So I'm going to say, He is risen. He is risen indeed. And let me say it again. He is risen. Say it together as a family. He has risen indeed, because that is the truth, and that is what we believe, and that is where our hope lies today, that He is risen. Church buildings may be empty today, but guess what else is empty? The grave of Jesus Christ. It is empty. It was empty over 2,000 years ago, and it's still empty today because He rose from the dead, He conquered death in the grave, and He came back to life that we may have life too. So I have a question. You know, the disciples, as I told that story earlier, the disciples, I, I wonder if they really questioned whether Jesus was going to keep his word. Whether, whether they thought, he, okay, he said all of these things. Is he, is he really, is he telling the truth? And I ask you, are, are you good at keeping your word about your promises? When you say something, are you good for it? Jesus said a lot of things throughout the New Testament. It is actually in the first four books of the New Testament, in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the statement Jesus said is used over 300 times regarding things Jesus said. He said a lot. And keeping his word is pretty important because if Jesus was a liar, then everything we do, everything I believe, everything I talk about, everything that I put my hope in is a lie. You see, I don't believe Jesus was a liar. I don't believe he just spoke just to talk. Can you imagine what it would be like for the followers of Jesus on those three days? Can can you imagine what it would have been like for them as they had heard and listened to every word he said? They had hope in every statement he made, and now he's gone. He's gone, and they're wondering, what's going to happen? And I'm sure that, they, that the, the idea that doubt crept into their heart. I'm sure they felt abandonment. I'm sure they felt loneliness, and they felt hurt and loss. And they, I'm sure they had many questions, and I'm sure they felt fear and anxiety. And I wonder how many of us have ever felt that way as well, even now. We felt these same ways of doubt and abandonment. And Okay, God, I know, I want to believe you're real, but have you seen what life is like right now? God, I want to believe you're real, but God, I'm sick right now. God, I want to believe you're real, but I have so many questions right now. God, I want to believe you're real, but man, I'm fearful and I'm anxious right now. I get it. Me too. I have questions, but questions don't mean you doubt or questions aren't bad. Questions are good. It's how we process them. And so the disciples, as they're processing them, what what are they going to do? What do you do when everything you thought, like the disciples, everything you thought was true and real and stable dies? What do you do when everything in your life that you thought you could hold on to with everything that you had, what do you do? When it falls apart, what would you do in those three days? What would those three days feel like for you? 
You see, for them, I wonder if on that third day, it just sort of, they realized he's gone. And it just started settling in. Jesus is, he's really gone. What do we do now? What are we supposed to do now? So if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. It's going to be on your screen. You can find it on the YouVersion Bible app. Or if you have your Bible, turn it in there. Matthew chapter 28 verse 1. It says, Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. See, as I was reading this, this account of Jesus' resurrection, I'm looking at Mary, and I'm sure they didn't know what else to do. They had been in their homes for days. They had to get out. And the only place that felt right was going to the tomb because there was something about peace knowing that Jesus was there. Have you ever been in that moment where you just need to get out? You feel so trapped. You feel so wrapped up in anything. And so you go to a place and you wonder, how is this place, how does it even feel good to me? How how is this even right? I feel like I'm free here. Maybe it's the grocery store for you right now. You're like, oh my gosh, I just need to get out. And that's the place. See, for Mary, she went to the tomb. And they wanted to do something. They, they wanted to do something good because they felt helpless, but, but they wanted to still show him that, that they loved him. And have you, ever, have you ever done that where maybe you just, you want to do something, you want to know that you're helping people, you want to know that you're doing something good still, but you feel so trapped in what you can do. You feel so stuck in what you have. And Mary, the, these two Marys, Mary Magdalene and Mary, they, they just sort of are in that moment. Like, what can we do? Well, okay, we're going to go to the tomb. And according to the other Gospels, what we found, find out in, in Mark, Luke, and John is that with them, they take spices that they're going to put on his body. And, and that's something they would do to, to bodies in those days as they would embalm them, as they would wrap them in cloths so that they would not stink as bad. And so that's what Mary, the Marys go. They go to do that. And, and I wonder how that walk was for them. Have you ever had that long walk where you don't really know what to talk about because there's nothing good to talk about? And so you start just thinking. You start, your mind starts to wander. And I wonder if Mary in that moment, her mind started to wander, Mary Magdalene. And she started going back to those memories of Jesus. You see, Mary had a lot of memories with Jesus. Jesus meant so much to her. He meant so much to her. He, He saved her in her desperate state. She was trapped in a life that she had no way out of, and he came in and he rescued her. She was alone and not loved, and he loved her. She was an outcast, and he welcomed her. She was filled with filth and evil, And he met her in that moment. And he loved Mary. And I wonder as she walked, she started thinking of all the things that he'd done. And I wonder as she walked, she started thinking, and now this man that loved me so much is gone. 
And everything he said he would do is echoing in her mind the promises of life, the promises of him coming back, the promises of his kingdom. And now he's gone. He's gone. But now she's the one living and he's the one that's dead. But she still goes to the tomb because he meant so much to her. But as they were getting there, they started talking, the Marys together. They started looking at each other going, okay, how are we going to get in this tomb? Did you see that stone? They, they rolled in front of his tomb. It's, it's huge. It's bigger than we are. It's, it's, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds. There's no way we're ever going to move that thing. And as they're walking that morning, as they're, they're walking that, those streets that seemed probably darker and it was probably a little more crisp than normal and it was quiet, there was just this stillness of the morning and the sun is just beginning to peek through the trees and they walk and they're thinking, how are we going to be able to love Jesus in a way like this? But when they go there, they find things not as they thought. Verses 2 through 4 happen as they're walking, yet they don't see it happen. It says, verse 2, it says, suddenly there was a great earthquake. And you got to understand, verse 2 is happening as they're walking to the garden. So suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came from heaven and rolled aside the stone, and he sat on it. And his face shone like the lightning, like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell in the dead faint. Before Mary, the Marys got to the tomb, there was an earthquake in the garden. The Jews had guards go there. They had them there to protect because they believed that the disciples or somebody was going to sneak up and steal Jesus' body. So, so they set up these guards that, that would stand there and make sure and that the, the tomb was had a seal on it, a stamp that made sure nobody could get in. And then all of a sudden, as the guards are standing there, it says an angel appeared out of nowhere. Can, can you imagine being one of these guards on this day? And there were so many of them. They're standing there. They're guarding. These are tough guys. These aren't like some wimps. They're, they're not some, some guy that or some person that you, you wouldn't even be scared of, that you wouldn't even be intimidated by. But these are tough men who were paid to do this. This is not just some low-level job. This is a very high-level, very important job. And if they were to fall asleep or make a mistake at all, their lives were on the line. It says all of a sudden this angel appeared, and the angel rolls away the stone. And as the angel rolls away the stone, the stone falls on its side. The angel sits on it. He sits on it. I love that the angel sits on it. And I thought, I think, why sit on it? I was talking with Tony and some of the other guys today just about this because I love this, that imagery of this angel, this, this holy angel coming down and pushing the stone and sitting on it. For, for, for me, it's just this confidence of it's done. As I was talking to Tony, Tony's like, it, it, he's, he's sitting on it like it's resting, like there's nothing else you need, that needs to be done. It's, it's finished. And, and I, I just, I love this imagery that this angel does and he sits on it and it says that the guards faint in fear. See, the, the earth didn't shake because the stone was rolled away. The earth shook because Jesus rose from the dead. 
See, the earth shook when Jesus died on Friday. And the earth shakes again on Sunday in, in glory and awe of his resurrection from the dead. And all this happens as the ladies are walking to the tomb. And this says in verse 28, verses 5, in the very first part of verse 6, it says, Then as the ladies come up and they see the tomb is down, I don't know if they see the guy sleeping on the ground, it says the angel spoke to the women, Do not be afraid, he said. The only reason he says, don't be afraid, he must have seen fear on their faces. Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. I'll bet you in that moment, as they heard those words, he isn't here, they didn't wait for the rest of the sentence. How many of you have ever jumped in the middle of somebody saying a sentence? You don't wait for the last part because the first part scares you so much. And I'm sure that in this moment, they, they are met in sheer panic. He, he's not here? What do you mean he's not here? We're here to anoint him. We have something to do. He, he was dead. Who stole his body? Tell me where they have taken him that I might find him. I need something to do. I... I, I have you ever just been in that moment where you just, you get caught up in a sentence, but you don't wait for the last part and you sort of take things to an extreme that you don't need to. And I think in this moment, that's where we find the Marys. That's where we find Mary Magdalene. She's taking something to a moment where she doesn't know exactly what's happening. If she's anything like I am, I've done that. And the statement left alone leaves us hopeless. The statement of he is not here leaves us at a place where we find no rest. We find no peace. We find no hope. But you see, they had to listen to the rest. Because here it is. Here in the next few words is everything that we believe in. This is where our faith hinges. This is our hope. This is our assurance. This is our everything. This is why we live, why we breathe, what we do. This is, this is the why, the next statement. Not in the he is not here, but this, because he is risen from the dead, just as he said he would do. Come and see where his body was lying. And this angel, he says, don't fear, don't, don't be scared. He says, he's not here because he is risen just as he said, just as he said, just as he promised, he has risen. Jesus and God had made many promises all throughout the Bible and all throughout history. And they have a 100% track record of keeping their promises. Not a single one have they let fall. Not a single one have they failed on, but they keep their promises. Everything they say comes true. Jesus said to them that he would die and three days later he would come back. Now, if I had heard Jesus say these things, I'm just trying to think, trying to put myself in, in this situation. If Jesus had told me, hey guys, I'm going to die. And in three days after that, I'm going to rise from the dead. I would hope that I would go and wait outside that door. I, or outside that tomb. I would hope that I would go and wait outside and just sit there and just be like, all right. I mean, I waited in line for a trampoline years ago at Walmart. If I'm willing to wait in line at Walmart and risk my life for a trampoline, I would hope that I would be willing to sit outside the tomb and believe that Jesus was going to rise from the dead and wait for three days. But if the disciples didn't do it, I, I think I probably wouldn't either. 
which is sad. But no, they don't. They're not sitting there waiting for three days. They're not sitting there anxiously awaiting when Jesus might come back. They're home. They're in bed. They're sleeping. But these ladies, they weren't. You see, I I think they knew inside them that something was going to happen on that day. I don't know that they expected him to be alive, but I think they expected something. You see, we can hold on to Jesus' words. When that angel said, he rose, he has risen, just as he said. The angel says, you can hold Jesus to his words. He keeps promises. He can't not keep his promises. All throughout scripture we see Jesus, we see God making promises. In Genesis chapter 21 verse 1, God made Sarah a promise. He said, Sarah, you will have a child. And the first time Sarah heard this, she laughed because she's like, I'm 90, I'm old. I can't have kids anymore. That's not possible. And then it says in verse 1, then the Lord took note of Sarah As he had said, just as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he promised, and she had a son. And then it says in Exodus chapter 12, verse 25, God made a promise to the people of Israel. I'm going to lead you out of Egypt. I'm going to lead you out of this place that you feel so trapped and so alone, and you just feel so covered and in such a bad spot. I'm going to lead you there, lead you from there into a good land. And God says in Exodus 12, 25, when the Lord, when you, I'm sorry, when you enter the land, which the Lord will give you just as he promised, just as he said. In 1 Kings We meet a guy named Solomon. Solomon was the wisest king the people of Israel ever had. God went to Solomon and said, Solomon, what do you want? What do you want from me? How can I help you? What can I do for you? Do you want riches? Do Do you want fame? And he says, God, I want wisdom. God, I want wisdom. And it says in 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 12, the Lord gave wisdom to Solomon just as he said, just as he promised. And Solomon to this day, you look at history and you look at scripture and you find that it was said and what was said was done and that Solomon was the wisest king the people of Israel ever had. In the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 1, verses 69 and 70, we meet a guy named Zacharias. And Zacharias was going to have a son, and, and he prophesied. And as, as he spoke, it says in verse 60 and six, and sev, 69 and 70, it says, And Zacharias, he had, and he's, he's prophesying, and he's, he's quoting out of Scripture, and he says, And he has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised. Zacharias speaking of Jesus who was to come. And then in Acts chapter 27, verse 25, Paul is on a boat. Jared spoke on this passage he preached from chapter 27 a few weeks ago. And in chapter 27, verse 25, there's men on this boat and and they're in danger of their lives. They feel like their lives are about to go. They, They feel so stuck on this boat. They feel like every life is at risk and that the potential to die is so high. And Paul says, take courage. 
Because God had spoken to Paul. He says, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. So Paul says to the people, take courage. I tell you today, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what your fear is or your anxiety is or, or your doubt is. I don't know what your questions are. But as Paul said to these men, take courage. I tell you, take courage. For I believe God. It will be just as he said. Just as he said. And then in Matthew, going back to Matthew, going back to the lady. So they're told that this angel, if you, you can wrap your mind, the disciples are still wondering. They, they have no clue that Jesus is risen from the dead. The, the 12 disciples, they're all home or they're on their places trying to figure out what they're going to do next. And if you, when you continue to read through the gospel, you find out that one of the next things they do is they go fishing. They go back to their old way of life. But these two Marys, they come rushing. They want this new way of life. They want Jesus. And so as they come to the tomb, as we found out, they, that they found it empty, that he wasn't there. And the angel says he has risen. And then he tells them in verse 7, he says, Now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and that he is going ahead of you to Galilee and you will see him there. Remember what I have told you. And the women ran quickly from the tomb and they were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him and grasped his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave, to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. The angel tells them to take this message. The most important message of all time. Do you get that? Do you get that the most important message of all mankind, the first sermon preached after Jesus died, the first messengers to take the, the message of, of hope for the entire world, this angel tells Mary and Mary, Mary Magdalene, a woman who does not deserve to have such a great message. She doesn't have the credentials. She doesn't have the doctorate. She, she has no, there's no right. If you were to put her next to somebody who's qualified, she is so unqualified. But the angel is not looking for qualification. He's looking for a character, a person that loves Jesus with all of their heart. And he says, you are my best messenger for this. Go and tell. And as she runs with tears in her eyes, can you picture this? Mary is running with tears in her eyes and she runs right out of the garden. And she runs right into Jesus. But the Gospel of John tells us that she doesn't recognize him. She actually thinks he's the gardener. And so as Mary is running and she has this message going, he is risen, but I haven't even seen him. And I, I'm just, and so she's going and she, as she's running out of the garden, she just left the tomb. And this angel just gave her this message. She left the tomb and she runs into this guy and, and she goes, can you tell me where they have taken him? What's going on? Where is Jesus? What is happening? And then he says, Mary. And all of a sudden she realized there he is. There he is. 
I love how even in this moment, I, I wonder if, if, if she believed the angel, yet there was still this little bit of, okay, but what does this look like? Where is Jesus? Where have the angels taken him? Like, is he hanging out with the angel? Are they in the green room? Are they in the back room somewhere? Like, is there some little holding room that Jesus is sitting in? Because I just want to see him. I know he's going to make some kind of big appearance, but I just want to see him real quick. And Jesus meets her in that moment. And he says, Mary. And she says, Rabboni, my teacher. And then Jesus says, go and tell them that I have risen from the dead, just like I said. I keep my word. I can't not keep my word. That's who I am. Jesus tells her, not only does this angel say, Mary, I have this message for you, but now Jesus says, Mary, I have this very important message, the most important sermon ever to be preached, the most important statement ever to be said, go and tell my disciples I have risen from the dead. Go and tell them because it's done just as I said. Tell them that I'm here. Jesus is still keeping his promises today. He can't not keep his promises. We live today in the aftermath of Jesus rising from the dead, of Jesus giving us new life. He hasn't stopped keeping his promises. He hasn't stopped keeping the things that he said. He can't stop. He has promised for all of you. He has promises for all of you. He promises never to leave you nor forsake you. I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know what you're going through right now. But Jesus promises never to leave you nor forsake you. Jesus promises to be near to you. Jesus promises to love you. To love you. Even when you are unlovable. Even when you are at your ugliest moments, he promises to love you. Jesus promises to forgive you forgive you of anything and everything. And Jesus promises you an inner freedom. A freedom of that guilt and the shame and all those things that we feel, that we hold on to, that we remember ourselves. Jesus says, I want to set you free because I can't. Jesus conquered death. He conquered the grave. It has no sting. It has no bite anymore. It's not to be feared. Jesus conquered it. When he rose from the dead that day, he conquered it for each and every one of you so that we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear about what happens if I get sick. What happens if I die? We don't have to fear that. Because this moment, these times, these days we have here on earth, they're just that. They're just moments. Because we have an eternity in heaven with Jesus. Jesus has a message for each of us, a message of hope for all. Jesus has a message of life for all. Jesus has a message of love for all. Just as he said to Mary, go and tell. He has that same message for you and I. Go and tell that he is risen just as he said. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your son to die for us. Thank you that you have the power over sin and death. 
thank you that you offer forgiveness for all of us who believe in Jesus. Thank you that you love us. You know, I know that there are probably some of you, maybe you've heard this story before, maybe you've been to church before and you know all about Jesus. You've heard about him dying on a cross and rising from the dead, but maybe it resonates new to you today. Maybe for you, this is a whole new thing. It just popped up on your feed. You saw it on YouTube. You saw it in some way. Somebody shared it. You don't even know who shared it because it's a share of a share of a share. But you realize that there's somebody, there's a God who I believe is real. There's a Jesus that I know he lived, I know he died, and I know he conquered death. Maybe today you are realizing that I want that life. I want that assurance. I want to know that I am loved, that I am forgiven, and that I can be set free of me. And if that's you today, if you want to be set free of you, pray with me. There's nothing magical about this prayer, but some of us, we just don't know how to pray. And I get that. Just pray this, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Thank you for loving me, for caring for me. God, I ask that you would forgive me. God, I ask that you would set me free of me. I believe that your son Jesus died on a cross. I believe that your son Jesus rose again from the dead. And I believe that he lives today. And God, help me to live for you. Thank you for loving me in Jesus' name. If you prayed with me, would you please let us know? Go on to our website. Comment here on this and say, I prayed today. We want to pray with you. I would love to call you this week. We want to contact you in some way because life is not meant to be lived alone. It's meant to be lived together. And we want to help you walk this new life. So please let us know. Please don't live in isolation. Please let us know because we want to celebrate with you. Because I know that there are people right now that, they, that you pray. Because every time God's word, God's word goes out, people believe it. Lord, bless us the rest of this Sunday. Bless us as we live for you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For up-to-date series information, find us on social media at CityViewPHX or go to cityviewphx.com.